Welcome to the Business of You podcast. I'm your host, Rachel Gogos. This podcast is dedicated to helping you uncover how to turn your big idea into big business and grow your personal brand into the business of your dreams. Each week, I'll talk to founders of all kinds of businesses, exploring how they launched and grew their companies. Behind every successful business is an epic journey, one that can serve as a roadmap to help you grow yours. The Business of You is all about frank conversations and unique business wisdom for the entrepreneur. It's a chance to tune into the story behind the brand and retrace the path of those who walked this road before you so you can pave your own road to success. Welcome to The Business of You. Welcoming to today's show, Andy Mowat, who is a co-founder and CEO of Gated.com. Gated.com is actually noise cancellation headphones for your email. That is their tagline, which I love. What they do is Gated is a software platform that you can connect to your email inbox. And when someone you don't know emails you, they actually have to choose a nonprofit to donate to in order for the email to reach you. It's a really cool software platform. It's quite young, it's in its infancy, and the company has a million different ways that they can grow and scale. Andy used to work at Upwork, and he also used to work at Box in senior management. He's got a really interesting origin story, and the path to growing Gated is also really fascinating. I hope you enjoyed today's episode of The Business of You. So Andy, you run a very interesting company that um, that works with email in a unique way. And I'd love you to, for you to tell us about that. But first, I want to hear about your journey to becoming the CEO of Gated. Absolutely. Yeah, the journey kind of ties right in with what we're doing. Um, so for the last 20 years, I've basically run sales and marketing machines for tech companies in Silicon Valley. Um also one in Australia as well, too. Um, I've done it for three unicorns, uh, Upwork, Box, and most recently, last four years, was a company called CultureAmp um, that grew dramatically. Um, as part of that, I've always run the email marketing infrastructure, the sales team, data and strategy, and I've sent billions upon billions of emails, and I've caused a lot of pain. So I understand how this system works really well. And at a fundamental level, there's no cost for somebody to put an email in your inbox. Um, and so you don't really control your own access. And I think I saw reply rates declining, all this stuff. So I understood a lot of the trends. At CultureAmp, I'm sitting there getting hammered. When I took over the marketing demand gen function, in addition to RevOps, I just started getting hammered all of the time, right? Like I had, I think, a $14 million paid budget at some point. And like, there are a lot of people that want to sell to marketing. So I got, I was just like, what is going on here? And I knew it because I was causing it as well too. So I wrote an email um, that said, I don't know you. Here's my Venmo account. If you spend 10 cents um, and here's my favorite nonprofit, I will guarantee I'll read your email. And people started donating five bucks, 10 bucks, 20 bucks. I'd started with the wounded warrior. And so I was like, okay, this resonates. So I spent two years on the side, just iterating on that. And that is the genesis of what Gated is. Gated takes unwanted email from people who don't know you takes them out of your inbox and gives them an opportunity to donate to reach you. Um, a lot of people do. 
And um, by doing that, we believe we can kill the noise in email. Uh, it helps users because you have 30 to 40% less email. It helps senders because if you do donate, the reply rate is like 20 to 30 times higher than it would be normally because you're going into a clean inbox, you're donating to their nonprofit, and you're creating this emotional connection with the user. So that's what we do. We give it away completely free and we make money on the transactions. Uh, we take a percentage of the donation. Our vision is to fundamentally rewire how marketing is done. I love that. It's so fascinating. What do you think was um, part of your early life or part of your upbringing that, you know, created this philanthropic, um, like this strong philanthropic characteristic in you? Uh, it's interesting. Like people ask a lot of like, is the nonprofit like core, core, core to the mission or is it a piece of it? I I love helping. I always have in my past separated my giving side with my business side. Um, and I think you're always looking for meaning in companies and how to help out. For me, it was, I was talking to some CEOs and they're like, I don't want the money. Um, and so we started talking about, you know, like I don't, if I take the money from somebody trying to reach me, I'm going to feel like too much of a sense of obligation. There's the right amount of obligation, but that's too much. And so I was like, okay, well, what's your favorite nonprofit? And we threw it in there and people started saying, oh my goodness, like this is amazing. Um, I honestly think, Gated doesn't work if we don't have the nonprofit, because if you're like, hey, pay me money to reach me, it just comes across wrong. Um, and so I, I think for us, the nonprofit is core, but maybe the way we think about it from our mission is you should have the right to control who can reach you. Um, you should be able to determine how much your attention is worth. And you should be able to determine where that benefits. Um, it doesn't necessarily need to benefit you. It needs to benefit a nonprofit. So I don't think I started at this from a nonprofit perspective, but that is where we have, we believe deeply that we are helping nonprofits as well to um, both spread their brands, but also make money. Um, so I think I started at this from a, I've seen this fundamental problem with digital noise that's getting worse and worse. How do we solve that? And nonprofits became part of it. So I wouldn't say like my upbringing was nonprofit related. I, I come yeah. from more of the business side. Yeah. Um, can you share your early part of your upbringing? Like what was your schooling like? What, you know, how did you even get into leadership at these fairly large companies? Like what's oh, yeah, the I'll early give you the, part I'll of I'll give the you the first 20 years of my career, which is okay, very different than the last 20 years. <laughs> um uh, normal family, quality family. I was, I, and this is, you know, I'm, I'm good at taking tests. <laughs> so I did very well in school. I went to Princeton. I did investment banking on wall street. Um, at Princeton, I failed the French placement exams. So they told me I had to take two more years of French. Um, and I said, no, nah, I'm not taking any more French. So at that time, the world was changing in Europe, um, particularly Eastern Europe with the Soviet union falling, I decided to take Czech. So I studied I studied international affairs at Princeton, and I also took Czech um, from a really brilliant person. Um, so two years on Wall Street, didn't see myself there, went to Europe to do investing uh, into Europe with Credit Suisse, um, and we ended up buying a company in the Czech Republic. 
And it ended up having some problems. And so I stuck my hand up and said, listen, I'd love to go run that company. Um, so I think at 24, 25, I wasn't CEO, but I ran the finance function um, of every grocery store in Eastern Europe. Uh, I I got to experience that, live it. Um, and so like, you know, I'm a big fan of just one life experience leads to another, right? So check opened up that and, and it all created that. So I did that, came back to... Um, so that was a really fascinating part of my life, like living in Europe, working there, not just studying there. It was really fun. Um, then I came back to the Bay Area and um, I went to Stanford for business school and I graduated into the worst economic market of all time, like 2001. Um, I It was bad. And because I went in in 99 and everyone was there, it was easy. I just had a fun time for two years. I came out, I couldn't find a job for six or nine months. Um, I ended up working for a wealthy family. Um, they owned the third largest movie theater chain in the country and they had a lot of money and they were trying to figure out movies were, they they had seen that movies were going to die and, or we're going to change. And they said, you seem like a smart kid. Can you help us figure out what's next for us? Um, so I tried to buy the Warriors. I tried to do lots of different things. Couldn't buy them. Would have been fun because um, I'm a huge basketball fan. And we ended up, um, I can't, came back to him. I said, listen, you're really good at building, building this, building facilities, running service-based businesses, and you own a lot of real estate. Um, health clubs feels really good to me. And so we liked it. We tried to buy a couple companies in the space. Um, couldn't find the right one. And so we built it. Um, and so it's a company called Villa Sport. I hired the management team, built it out and did that. And so I did that for like six or seven years. But I had this realization that I was in the Bay Area and tech was tech was going to change the world and I wasn't in it. And so I read the book, Four Hour Work Week by Tim Ferriss. It opened my eyes to how to work aggressively, how to leverage yourself, uh, and I said, I'm going to go work for one of these companies. And so I cold called the CEO of Elance and Odesk and met both of them and had offers at one of them and closing in on the other one. And I took one. Um, and so I worked directly for the CEO of Elance for a couple of years. And that got me into tech. That's amazing. And the four hour work week has come up with so many of our guests, actually. It's it always um just impresses upon me, like the power of just one book, right? And how it can change somebody's life. Yeah, it's, I mean, it's the power of aggressive thinking, right? Like he's a pretty in your face type of person. Um, it is how to hack life a little bit and how to look at the world differently. Um, I don't think I ever would want a four hour work week, but, um, you know, it definitely opened up my eyes to outsourced labor, um, leveraging like being creative. And if you think about it, it's just like how a lot of businesses are built right now. It's not like six employees sitting in a room. It's you got this tool and these teams and all of that. So it definitely like sparked a lot of my future passions. Yeah. Um, I see a lot of similarities between, <coughs> excuse me, Elance and Upwork. What were some of your greatest tra takeaways from working at those organizations? Yeah, yeah. Elance actually became Upwork. Um, so it's kind of the, uh, um, my biggest takeaways there were, I, I first started off doing just business development and partnership deals. Um, and then the CEO would throw at me like, hey, my sales team isn't quite working perfectly. Can you help out there? And then he kept throwing interesting problems at me. And he threw like, we got a lot, we got a lot, send a lot of emails and we've got to deal with like building out a sales infrastructure. So I did all that. And I was like, wow, I'm really good at like the systems, the data, the processes and the strategy. And so that was kind of like my insight. Nah, I mean, I think some other general ones that I've taken with me for 
gated were when you build a company where people are paying each other, there's a lot of risk of fraud, right? So, you know, people would, you can launder money through Upwork, right? You, you can hire yourself and pay yourself and, and, and there's lots of interesting things. And so that's another reason why we don't allow people to take the money themselves, right? Because we don't want to create like a nexus for fraud. And so the nonprofit is perfect, right? Which is, you can go steal credit cards all day, but you can never donate to yourself. And so it's always going to go to a 501c3 that's legitimate. And so that was another like subtle hack for me um, that was like an aha for Gator, which is I, I don't have to worry about building an anti-fraud infrastructure if I don't allow people to take the money out. Yeah. Wow. I never thought about the fraud component of um, companies like Upwork. That just never occurred to me. Oh, yeah. Well, there's that plus disintermediation, a lot of other interesting like these marketplace economies are intriguing in a lot of ways. Yeah, 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 totally. Um, so is there a pretty strict vetting process of the 501c3s that you work with or partner with at Gated? Yes, we work with an organization that um, vets all of those nonprofits. They are legitimate 501c3. They have sufficient financials. Um, they will. They have some other screens they do, like they'll look at the Southern Poverty Law Hate Center and they will, restri- they won't, they won't, they will not let us distribute to ones that are on that. And we're fine with that. Like it's <laughs> don't want to distribute to hate groups. I think it's also like there is just inherently, you can't spin up a 501c3 overnight. There are legitimate government regulations. And so I think it's like we've thought a lot about like, can we distribute to a GoFundMe campaign? And it sounds really cool because it's very timely, but there's a lot of fraud going on there too. Um, and so I think we've kept it for now to just 501c3s. Um, I think we've we think about like, if you are doing good in the world, you should be able to direct it to that place. Um, but people are always like, well, what if somebody wants the money? I will tell you, nobody has ever said, I'm signing up for Gated, I want the money. Because if you're generating a lot of donations, you're also probably very influential and you have a lot of money. And so you don't care about that. You want to, it's like, I care more about my time. So yeah, it's working really well on that side. That's awesome. Um, any idea what the financial impact has been uh, you know, through the donations. Yeah, we don't just we don't disclose um, the amount of donations. I I will say to yeah. you that we have focused more on the percentage of users that are getting donations okay. than squeezing every last dollar out of a donation. For us, it's more around the the act of spending a small amount of money is going to force the company behind the salesperson to rethink it, right? So say we put out a CAPTCHA, um, all of a sudden the SDR or the salesperson is just going to do all the clicking and the work falls on them. I think what we believe is if companies face the monetary consequences of sending bad emails, they will be forced to improve their process. And so for us, it's not about like how much money can we get out of somebody? It's around the small amount of money is important. And so by that means, like we do see $100 donations. Our record so far, we saw one day where somebody donated $101 three times. We've seen $108 donations, our current record. And so we do see, you know, an ask for $2 turn into a $100 donation, but we are not as focused on the dollars today. Yeah. So it sounds like at the core, you're really just trying to change behavior. Yes, this is a behavioral change model, and it's really interesting, right? This is um, it felt weird to get in a car with a stranger. Um, it felt weird to have 
somebody crash on your couch and pay you money for it or to meet your spouse online. Um, another one that I think you and I may have booked through is like Calendly. Like it felt the first time you got one of those, it felt weird. All of those were behavior changes that created great businesses. We know we're pushing people. It's like an awkward motion. You send an email to somebody you don't know, you get this email back and you're like, well, what do I do with this thing? We sent 500,000 of them last month. Um, and Nobody got angry. Um, and a lot of people donated. So, but it is, there's a lot of really interesting behavioral dynamics in what we're doing. Mm -hmm. Do you have people on your team that study the behavior dynamics? We don't have like a behavioral scientist yet. We're still small enough that it's product engine. We're just using our best judgment on the behavioral dynamics. We're doing a lot of A-B testing. Um, you know, I would love to find you know, there's like a Dan Ariely or a Nir Eyal or somebody like that that's very deeply thoughtful about behavioral economics. When you launch this, like tag Dan, um, we've already talked to Nir about this. Um, you know, his he had a really interesting comment, which was, I'd rather be annoyed than annoy others. And so that's kind of like this social dynamic that we're doing, which is, yeah, it's a little different, a little odd. At the same time, like, so we're still in early adopter phase. Um, so... I think, yeah, I mean, I'd love to find a science, like a PhD somewhere that wants to study our data. And I think that could actually be really fun. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So in five years, um, is, if, you know, if and, and when <clears throat> Gated continues to grow and be successful, what does that look like for you? Everyone in the world has Gated. Um, it's free. Why would you not use it? Um, so I think as we go from early adopter to middle, you know, it's the classic crossing the chasm, um, I think we start to see acceleration in adoption. Um, but we've designed, un unlike most productivity tools, which charge $10, we give it away, you know, 10, 12 bucks a month, we give it away completely free. And so for us, my vision is the only way to change the way the world behaves and to change behaviors is to give it away to everybody. Um, so we started off with work users, you know, like, hey, I'm, I'm in a job like marketing where I get sold to a lot. Um, and so there's a, probably like 20 to 30 percent of the company that just feels that pain. Um, we've been pleasantly surprised that a lot of people are signing up on their personal accounts. And so we've had some really interesting discussions around interesting. We may not get a lot of donations from these people because no one's selling to them, but people are marketing to them and they have pain. And they also I don't know how long you've had your personal email account, but I'm guessing 15 plus years. And you've never had a chance to push reset on that button. Um, you've never been like, but as a work every three to five years on average, people will change jobs, get a clean email. It's great. There's nothing in there for the first couple of days. Um, and so we realize that the pain is as deep or deeper on personal emails. And so for us, every single person can use what we're doing. We believe. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I will uh, date myself and let you know that I actually still have an AOL.com email address. <laughs> we can't help you on that one. Only Gmail today for personal, but uh, we'll, we'll, we may get there eventually. No, that's my junk. That is my junk account. My Gmail account is, uh, is definitely someplace I will co consider putting gated for sure. 
I own uh, Austin Powers International Man of Mystery at Yahoo.com. So it's, uh, <laughs> except I think international is spelled I-N-T-L um, to make it short. Um, so yes, the I've, I've played around with all sorts of fun. Like there's so many interesting hacks in this world too. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So tell me, what is what is your sales process like at Gated in terms of getting the word out to, um, you know, to ideal users, ideal clients, yeah. given that you're, you know, trying to kind of be the gatekeeper for people like your salespeople, right? For other, for others. Yeah. So we are not a little selling it. We're more marketing driven than sales driven. Um, so I'd say, I think the, if, I don't know if you've heard the term product led growth, right? But our, our software fundamentally is viral. Like, as I said, we sent out 500,000 of these things. We launched in April. So it's growing. We scanned, I think, four or 5 million emails last month. And so we're growing at really nice rates. Um, so there's an inherent virality to what we do. People learn about it. Um, our customers love it and love talking about it. It's like, if you go on G2, if you, if you look on LinkedIn, like every morning we wake up and there's like people complaining about email pain and we're getting tagged into those. Um, search, organic content, all of those things are really powerful. So that's how we're going to market. And we believe that if you build a great product that people love, it'll do that. And so I think the biggest thing for us is how do we cross the chasm? Um, How do we become, oh, gated, of course, yeah, versus ooh, that's interesting. That's different. That's weird. Um, And so we love the early adopters. Yeah, that name brand recognition, right? You want to become like the Google of email, essentially. Bingo. Yeah. Um, how do you list build? List 500,000 emails that you sent out. Uh, like, it, how, how did you attain those email oh, addresses? We don't send okay. those. We don't build lists. I, I am a big believer in, we don't actually send out any marketing email, period. Um, because oh, I don't interesting. Um, we'll, we'll talk about that in a second. Yeah. Um, those are emails sent out by our users when they receive. Oh. So user receives an unknown email. It takes it out of their inbox. And we, on their behalf, from their email, send out that email that says, I don't know you. Here's my nonprofit. Hey, by the way, if we do know each other, it's just this new email. You can click here to skip the donation. And so that is that for us is the primary mechanism for viral growth. Um, kind of like changing over for a second. I was at CultureAmp. I was running the demand gen and we had somebody ping us and say, hey, I'm sending out an email blast to 750,000 HR professionals. Do you want to sponsor this? And I'm like, God, I don't, right? Like that's just impersonal. It's wrong. So I don't, I have sent I pushed send on a 17 million person email was the biggest one I ever pushed send on. It caused a lot of problems. Um, but um, we, I believe that email should be personal. It should be one-to-one. You and I have lived good lives. So we've seen early on email when you woke up and everything in there was from a person. And it felt, I remember going to the computer lab at Princeton and being like, oh, I have this new thing. It's called email. And like, I got four of them and they're all from real people. Now it's very different. So partially what we're driving on is how do we drive out the bots and the 750,000 on one send type of email? And how do we create more incentives for person-to-person communication? Mm -hmm. We still believe computers may write some of that stuff, but what we care deeply about is if you send an email, you should want to reply. And so no reply at whatever. I hate that. And so 
literally, if you were to send an email to one of our users from no reply at whatever, you're not going to hear back from that user. Because mm-hmm, mm-hmm. you shouldn't. Our system's smart enough to detect that you're a bot. And um, and then we're building that that database of like marketing at, hello at, no reply at, info at, like all that stuff. Is, there's yeah. nobody under any line like that long. Yeah. What has been your biggest challenge so far in growing Gated? Was it developing the software, testing it? Um, different you know, what different challenges, different times. Like I'm mm-hmm. a non-technical founder. I hacked mm-hmm. this together. Mm-hmm. I, I built it in Zapier and Airtable. Then I hired a 16-year-old wow. to code it up. Then I hired some Russians. Then I finally met our CTO. Um, he's terrific. But like, so that's been a problem for a while. I think the possibilities in terms of what we can do, like our our solution can go in so many ways. And there's so many unanswered behavioral questions that like we can't ship everything we want to ship. And so we have to pick. Um, the For me, the biggest thing that keeps me awake at night is why haven't millions of people signed up for it yet? And I think that's mm. a combination of this is new, this is different, you know, the cross and the chasm. And then, so I think that's the, how do I get this in the hands of millions of people? That's all I think about. And, you know, I appreciate you helping us get the word out on this. Yeah, absolutely. Um, before we hopped on, we were talking about how the personal brand of the founder and CEO is so closely linked to the corporate brand of the company. What are you doing, uh, you know, with your personal brand and your own leverage to help Gated grow? Yeah, I believe in that deeply. I, so I've worked with three CEOs of unicorns, um, Fabio at Upwork, um, Aaron Levy at Box, who's a very big personality and has done a really great job of like driving that. And then uh, Didier at CultureAmp, right? Like the founders were there. Um, I'd say, I mean, maybe I'll just kind of tell a story that can illustrate how I did a mental shift when I founded a company, right? So I was always the, I'm running the systems, the operations, the strategy, the marketing and I would not accept a LinkedIn invite from anybody I didn't know, right? I don't want to have them sell me. I think, and I was probably like two or 3,000 LinkedIn connections when we started. And, and I said, okay, I need to be the face of this, even if you know, like, even if that's counter to, like, that's going to open me up to a lot of barrage of stuff and I need to be talking and I need to be out there. And so like, yeah, I meet a ton of people. They're like, oh yeah, I see your stuff on LinkedIn all the time. Or I, or I understand, I, I love your thought leadership and all that stuff. And so I think that's a key part of it. And, and, you know, for us, as you and I were talking before we joined, like, I think we've been really, really good at that on LinkedIn. I think for me, the thing I struggle with is how do I extend my founder brand mm-hmm. beyond LinkedIn? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, no, I think that's a challenge for uh, actually a lot of founders, you know, that we're so um, deep in doing the work of the work, right, of like growing the company that it feels like taking actions to grow our personal brand almost feel like a whole separate category of work that we need to do. So I think the goal is like finding ways to do both, right, where maybe you deliver a TEDx talk on the behavioral science behind email marketing, right? Which would be so fascinating. And PS, like that also helps Gated grow and get their brand out there. Yeah, that's actually a really good point. I like that Mm -hmm. one. Yeah. So um, last question for you, how will you, what steps will you take to, um, to get Gated out there aside from the things that you're doing? If you can share just like one or two tactics you know, maybe it's partnerships, maybe you're doing some paid marketing um, to continue to grow gated because you're at this unique 
you're at this unique kind of crossroads where like your tool's really cool. It's highly differentiated. There's nothing on the market like it. Um, so you're, you know, kind of a first to market kind of person and your company and what you're doing. Um, yet you have this really unique approach to marketing. Yeah. I mean, we're growing 40% monthly right now. So that's, that's nice. amazing. Yeah. yeah. That, that's good. My job is to figure out how we 10 X every month, right? Like that, yeah. then this gets fun. Um, I'd say some of the areas, like there's the product unlocks, right? So like, how do we make the product more viral um, to be able to share? With, and so like, look at this way, people who don't know you, they learn about gated from you. People who do know you, that's the beauty of the system. They don't know you use gated. That also slows our growth a little bit. So we're spending some time thinking through how do we do that in a user first way. Um, senders love gated. The sender reaction goes, what the hell is this? This sucks. Interesting. Let me try it. Oh my goodness. I'm getting really high reply rates and I'm cutting through the noise. Why can't everyone get gated? So we're spending a lot of time thinking about how do we catalyze that emotional response from senders. Um, and that, that's a lot of fun. I'd say nonprofits themselves are a potentially big channel. I'm not naive to think that that's a hard one to unlock because nonprofits are, you know, different things, but we help nonprofits with money, obviously. Um, second one is people are looking for new nonprofits and we let them find those. And then I think the third and most important one is every user who signs up shares their brand between hundred and 500 times a month. That's right. So it's like, instead of taking one check from somebody and then sending them mailers every once in a while to try to get them to give you more, what if you just get those people that gave you money to sign up for gated, save their email and your brand grows, right? So there's a lot of power for that. Those are some of like the high leverage things we do. Think a lot about buzz, um, and and we're we're have some fun things coming, and we we keep doing things like that. Like we wrote our manifesto, we just wrote a entire rules for how email should work that we got some of the top orgs to sign up for. So, I think with my co-founder Melissa, um, who's really really smart on the marketing side, like we think about this stuff. It's just you know, it's like we only have so much time to execute on so many ideas. Yeah, totally. Well, it sounds like you're doing a lot of interesting things and doing all the right things in unique ways to really get your brand out there. So I have no doubt it will continue to grow at this incredible rate. Thank you so much. Well, it's, uh, I really enjoy this discussion. Where's the best place for people to find out about you, Andy? Um, well, I guess if people want to contact me, drop me an email, Andy at Gabe.com. Um, it is, I, if somebody donates, I will reply. Um, so <laughs> feel free. It's, uh, I forget what, who I'm don't benefiting today. I think doctors without borders, but you know, you, it's a lot of fun there. Um, you can always find me on LinkedIn. Like I'm super active there. I, I'm not active on other social media because I just found that like you have to pick one. And so, yeah. Uh, yeah. Excellent. Well, thank you so much. Thank you. I hope you enjoyed this episode of The Business of You. If you found a little dose of inspiration or learned something new, please leave a review and share it with a friend or even two. Interested in building your brand and business? Tune in next time to the Business of You podcast. And remember, there's only one you. You're the biggest differentiator your business has. Until next time, friends.